Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 134 of Midweek Metagame. I'm HaremTG, only joined by one of my regular co-hosts this week, Gable Nassif. Hey, everyone. And this week, we're also joined by a special guest. Sadly, Pat could not make it this week because of work commitments, but we are joined by a very good online Magic the Gathering grinder, tag team member, and also streamer, Martin Porter, or known on Magic Line as Harry13. How's it going, man? Hey, everybody. Yep, I'm good, Harry. It's great to be here. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, no worries. Thank you so much for hopping on quite late notice, to be fair. I think I only messaged you uh, today, so thank you very much. But I guess... For some people listening that aren't familiar with who you are, or maybe people who don't play Magic Online a lot, you know, kind of who who are you and uh, what what content what content do you make? Yeah, sure. Uh, so, yep, as uh, Harry said, I'm also called Harry in the Moto Streets, Harry Thirteen. <laughs> um, I am basically a pioneer Maxi. Uh, I play some other formats, but predominantly pioneer. Um, I am a regular uh, guest on a couple of Pioneer podcasts. I have um, my own podcast um, co-hosted by Claudio, uh, known as Tac Talk. Um, we also have a Patreon as well called Tac Team, where it's myself, Claudio, and um, several other like MTGO grinders provide a lot of content across all formats. So yeah, um, yeah, that's pretty much me. Okay, and something special happened this week uh, for yep. both of us. What was that? Yep. Um, well, both of us did really well in the Pioneer Showcase, and that's all that matters. Yeah, exactly. So we actually both made it to the uh, finals of the Pioneer Showcase. Luckily, I managed to win, so obviously this week we're going to be getting into a lot of Pioneer. Um, and as well as Gab, you have played the Modern Challenge and played some Modern with Tamushi Combo as well as um, Elementals this week. So I think this week we're mostly going to be focusing on Pioneer, but we're also going to be doing a bit of Modern towards the end and possibly some Explorer if Gap has some time. But before we get into Magic, I have to remind you that the podcast is brought to you by Card Market. For those who don't know what Card Market is, it's a marketplace online to buy anything Magic the Gathering related. can be deck boxes, sleeves, accessories you can sell on there. doesn't have to even be Magic the Gathering. can be other card games like Pokemon, um, Flesh and Blood... Yu-Gi-Oh! It's hard to list all the card games on there because I only played the good one. Uh, and obviously Magic the Gathering. So if you're looking for anything card game related, please go check out Card Mark. And thank you so much for them uh, for sponsoring the cast. And if you personally would like to support the podcast, no pressure to do so. But we also have a Patreon. Patreon.com slash Midweek Metagame. No pressure to do so, but that's the best place to support us. But like you were saying, Harry, or well, what should I, what should we refer to you as? Harry or Martin? What do you prefer? Oh, Harry, there's, I don't go by Martin in Magic. I don't think I ever have. Oh, okay. Um, that's thanks to one of my good friends, Duncan Tang. Blame him. <laughs> what, what is the lore behind the Harry name? Because there is a lot of clash between us two Harrys. To be fair, it's not really that interesting, right? So when I was like 15, a long time ago, um, I played competitive Yu-Gi-Oh! And mm-hmm. in Scotland, in Glasgow specifically, there was like five martins <laughs> and me being like a little kid like 15 year old duncan was a bit older than me at the time and he was like oh we need to give you a nickname there's too many martins and i'm like okay and he's like you're getting called harry and i was like why am i getting called harry because your second name is porter it sounds like potter you're getting called harry and i was like 
Wow. And I never, and it's one of those names that you're like, this is never going to stick. This is such a lame excuse for a nickname. And then I come back to Magic, like in 2014, I was like 22. The only people I recognized that played Yu-Gi-Oh was like Duncan, uh, a guy called Mush, and another guy called Steven. And uh, as soon as I came back, he's like, Duncan points at me, he's like, oh, Harry's back. And I'm like, what? I was like, no way, no way. This is not coming back to haunt me, and it did. So now I'm <laughs> called Harry, and uh, yeah, I just thought, you know what, just call myself Harry13, because 13 is my birthday, my lucky number, so that's okay. why the model name is what it is. Makes sense, makes sense. But I guess we should uh, dive into to Pioneer, because that is the focus of this week. Yeah. Um, I guess... To break down decks quickly, obviously I played Mono Green Devotion. Who would be surprised of how much shilling I've done on the podcast for that deck? But you actually went with Blue White Control. Um, why don't you kind of why Why did you choose this deck? I I guess we should start. So basically, like my my theory uh, going into this weekend was um, Rakdos Midrange, Blue White Control, and Mono Green are the best decks in the format at the moment. Uh, Phoenix is there. It has. Th- potential to be there but there's not an optimum build because there's no expressive iteration and there's uh two main cards contend uh contending for the two mana creature slot thing and ice and uh ledger shredder and i felt like i didn't have enough time to really kind of delve into everything all the possibilities to um construct the best 60 or 75 so if you look at my previous results, uh, anytime I've qualified for Pioneer Showcase, it's always been with control decks. I think I've done it with like blue-white control and blue-black control. So I thought, you know what? Uh, I think these three decks are very powerful. I had a feeling that Mono Green might have been the best deck in the format, um, but I felt like from the, the testing I did, I felt like I had the tools um, to, to beat the deck, and I felt like blue-white was very good against most of the random decks that might show up. And I configured my cyborg to really focus on like um uh Rakdos. I played two Dream Trawler. I felt like Dream Trawler was like the silver bullet for that matchup. And I played like Farewell in the main, Farewell in the cyborg. I think you need Farewell um to make the green matchup stronger. Mm. Um so yeah. F- it fits my playstyle, like most of the time I play control ba- uh base base strategies. So I thought, you know what, Con- uh Wandering Emperor is a sick card let's let's um let's play it okay so yeah yeah and i guess uh to break down my deck quickly as well i did play mono green but with the bands made a lot of changes <laughs> i say a lot of changes a very stock deck that changes like three cards is a big changes i guess for me but um we i i test a lot with cherry x-men my friend wyden as well as taimu um you may know them from twitch and uh, we decided to cut the Nissa who shakes the world in the main. Just was being too clunky. We only liked it when we hit it off Storm. And a one-of is not good if you only want to hit it off Storm. So we changed it for a Voracious Hydra. Because with Winota being banned, I feel like there's a lot of like uh, strategies where there are either one-ones in the mono blue or the mirror or mono red. And I feel like Hydra's pretty good as well. It's like you just play it and double the counters if you have a Nykthos and nothing really much to do. It, it it was really good for me. One thing I hate about Hydra, those if you hit it off Storm, it, it's a two mana zero one, but whatever. Um, and then in the sideboard, we took out two Graph Diggers Cage, um, and a Voracious Hydra, and we we're playing three Sky Lasher, 
and uh it's yep. not not the most common card in the world it's a two mana two two flash can't be countered reach protection from blue a lot of people don't know why it's in here only for mono blue spirits um yep. you can't beat that deck as as mono green in my opinion i think you've probably got like a 20 percent matchup against them so it definitely does help i've only played against mono blue in leagues because i didn't play against it once in the showcase which was nice oh. Don't worry, I, I had your back there, Harry. I wanted you to win it. I took out the Mono Blue Spirits player in the top eight. Thank you, thank you. I did see that you played <laughs> against him in the semis, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I I kind of like your decisions. Uh, I, th I think Mono Green is probably the, the de facto best deck in the format right now because once you get to the, the top three decks, it has a favorable matchup. The Rakdos matchup, I felt, is like, very favorable yes I, I, i'm not gonna i'm not gonna say percentages because that's nonsense in my opinion <laughs> um, but it's, it definitely feels very favored for mono green and i think that blue blue white um depending on the build can have a favorable matchup against mono green but you still have extremely explosive draws and everyone knows when you play control sometimes the deck doesn't do what you want it to you don't get the draws you want um i think like a good blue white control draw should beat mono green yeah. um however if you lose the dice roll there's that factor where you can just get right underneath what blue white control is trying to do and because like cure like there's so many nightmare cards in that deck like cure is a problem constantly draws you cards and uh, gets your man out of hand like so verdict doesn't really do much because you've got like um cavalier and you've got the old growth troll it actually boarded in rest in peace against you so that can make my verdicts more powerful because, mm -hmm. like, otherwise, they're not... Like, do you remember that game where you got me to one life? Yeah. I, ha I had a verdict in my hand the whole time, but I had a farewell in hand. I basically had to, like, um, sack the 1-1 one -one shark, and then next turn, Ottawara one of your creatures uh, to be able to clean the board up, because the verdict would have done nothing. Like, yeah, I had to take that line. And that's how bad verdict is against that deck without, uh, like, a rest in peace in play. Yeah, I think and I was... Deck like... is still resilient. Yeah, yeah, I was actually talking about you having a verdict in that game for, for I guess, just easily visualize it for the podcast is um, I had an old growth troll and a cavalier on the table and a Kiora, and obviously Harry had the verdict in hand. And um, I tried to keep up two lands as much as possible because if you verdicted, then not only would I be able to put a card on top with cavalier, but I would specifically be able to sack the old ghost troll land and with Kiora on the table that would draw me a card so i'd put a yep. card on top with cavalier i'd get a 4-4 back on your end step and i would draw a card which um is really back breaking and that's one thing why i'm so scared of farewell because uh green we mill our whole you know we mill a lot of our deck we're trying to bin yep. storm storms are being cast on eight uh, you know turn six to eight if they're being flashed back and farewell obviously gets rid of everything no triggers and gets rid of uh, the graveyard so yeah i actually really well i really like farewell for you i hate it on my side but yeah that yeah. card is really 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 good i think it's i think it's necessary if you want to play blue white right now you need to play a minimum of one and i think you could consider um playing more than one in the main at the moment but um verdict's also very good against like a lot of what everyone else is trying to do like especially if mono blue spirits picks up um cards are obviously extremely good against them but uh yeah you need to play farewell now and that's what i figured before going into the, the tournament i wanted uh two in my 75 mm. 
One thing I'm surprised by uh, Blue White Control is I'm always scared of Treasure Cruise or Dig Through Time, but you don't you don't play any of those. Yeah, you just kind of because you're not playing any cantrips, right? Like you're playing like you could probably afford to play like maybe one dig two max, but um, I think like the deluge plan fits into like what you're doing post board in a lot of games. Like a lot of the best decks in the format are graveyard based. Rakdos has elements of it. You don't really care about Rakdos. They play like one or two crocs, so it's fine. It's more like um, if you're playing against Phoenix, if you're playing against Monogreen, you want to be able to target the graveyard. You don't really want to have the Exile or Graveyard effect really punish you with Farewell, and you need to use that quite a lot. Yeah. Um, and I think that Deluge is just good enough, I think, for you to think, okay, I don't need to play like Dig Through Time now. Um, but I can see arguments. Like I've tried playing Blue White Control with like Opt or Consider, and then playing like one or two Dig. And like cutting down on deluge, but I felt like it was okay game one, but post board I I kind of regretted it because I have to bring in graveyard tape in so many games. So yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, Gab, you know I want to keep you in the combo. Is there any uh, have you have you have you played much Pioneer since the bans? I haven't played Pioneer. I've been playing a decent bit of Explorer, which is somewhat similar. There's a solid blue white deck in explorer except you don't get verdict you have to play a bad sweeper either shadow the sky or depopulate but yeah i agree with the one farewell it's been good and honestly historic explorer having the one is so good you see a lot of cards and it's especially a good game one card against maybe phoenix because they usually don't have counter spells i think in the main which is nice you don't have to worry about about that maybe it's kind of card that can get a little worse after sideboard looking at martin's list i was Wondering about the the removal split. If maybe you want to go a little deeper and explain the the sensor charge disruption split, the the four portable holes to absence to march split, kind of absorb over. Sometimes people play the the surveilled counter spell sinister sabotage, and I'm also a little surprised. I guess you only see three verdicts. I feel like that card is just so good. Most most decks are just creature decks and um you don't even i guess maybe it's not that good against green as you were saying it's all too awkward against green so yeah i guess i don't know if you want to go into the nitty-gritty of the the list yeah yeah it can do um so uh four four portable holes there basically because like you don't want to get caught lacking on the draw against like mono green i think it's very important i think like there's a lot of decks like as we've seen like mono blue spirits there's a lot like you I feel like you want to be able to maximize on efficient removal with the deck. Um, I liked uh, Faithful Absinthe. Uh, I felt like you you see enough of your cards and you have enough counter spells between like the three vetoes, the four absorbs. Um, you know, sensor and Jawari disruption don't really count to be honest. But I felt like I had enough tools in my arsenal to deal with like most things occasionally like one planeswalker would like slip through and you know having two means you've got a good chance of finding them teferi can also be a removal spell as well so i wasn't um wanting to lean too heavily on faithful absinthe because especially in the rakdos matchup like it just feels like you're losing imagine having a faithful absence uh graveyard trespasser discarding a card and giving them a clue token it just feels awful so i didn't really want to um 
I have to like have too many in my deck to be honest. Um, March, um, I I think it's fine. Like I like having access to two. Um, I'm playing free fielder rune. Um, because one of the main things I like about March is it can kill the creature lands at a very good rate. Uh, so that was like the main consideration for playing like two minimum. But I felt like between two of them and three fielder rune, I was happy with my uh, almost instant speed removal because that's what fielder rune is essentially. Gets rid of the den of the bugbear, uh, the nekthos, or you know anything else like the lair of the hydra as well. Um, yeah, yeah, and the the reasoning for playing a Jawari disruption it looks a bit kind of weird on the surface, right? But I felt from playing with this deck, if you look at the four drop slot it's so heavily weighted and this is why the fourth uh supreme verdict isn't in there basically uh early days of testing with this deck i felt like there were so many situations where i was stuck on three land because i have no agency i have no cantrips and i was just getting drawing mono four drop spells so i wanted to play a very high land count so i wanted 27 and i felt like i just wanted the Jawari disruption as almost like a 28th land as such just to really minimize that from happening um and yeah absorb is just um you know there's arguments for playing sinister sabotage you're not really playing uh any dell spells that really take advantage of the surveil trigger i feel like my land counts high enough that i don't really need those extra triggers and also um absorb is just like against like mono red which i expected to be semi-popular i didn't want to have too many um cards dedicated for that uh post board um so i just felt like it was almost like a two for one against mono reds where you get to like gain three life and counter their spells um that's really the kind of justification for absorb yeah no i like the look of the list a lot it, it makes sense i like i'm a big fan of you know one or two of that two or three of that just because you don't want to draw too many of the same reactive cards and have them be awkward and as yeah. portable hole is necessary evil i'm not the biggest fan of this card because it can get tracked by colgan's command yeah that's the big one i guess i'd be yeah. a bit scared to play against ragdos with this list just because it feels like colgan's command like the, the you, i'm not sure like the removal doesn't line up super super well but maybe maybe you're fine with your planeswalkers yeah. and yeah, funnily enough, I I beat I didn't lose to Rakdos in the in the Swiss. I played against two different iterations. Uh, one was actually playing Invoke Despair, which is very scary because I had a a two two from my Wonder Emperor and a Teferi, and they were pretty much they pretty much had an empty board at that point. I I thought it was fine, and then they cast that spell, and I wanted to cry. <laughs> so I was like read it, and I, and then I realized I lost everything. So um, with Rakdos, I think that. Yeah, the removal's kind of awkward. However, a lot of the lists haven't even been playing Colligan's Command or playing like one in the board. And I actually cut portable holes for the most part against Rakdos. A lot of the Rakdos players cut down in Blood Tithe Harvester. There's almost like zero targets for it post board. So you cut out the uh, portable holes. Maybe keep in like one, one or two on the draw if you're really worried about like a kind of beatdown from them on the draw post board. But yeah, I didn't. I didn't really care too much about the Colligan's command. Um, Gabe, you'll know. You'll know as well as I. Like playing blue white control and pioneer, you're you're crying out for efficient removal spells that just never come. 
and yeah. portable hole is basically the best thing portable hole in march are like the closest things we're going to get until they somehow decide to print path to exile in the format so you just kind of have to suck it up hope that your your bigger spells like wandering emperor and supreme verdict will get you uh, back on level terms with your opponents but yeah, yeah. No, I haven't played much Pioneer lately, but it's the same problem in Historic. It's the same problem in Explorer. And yeah, I, I'm probably going to play some Blue-Eyed at some point this week, try it out for the, the qualifier. And honestly, I might just start with your list. And yep. yeah, I, I like the numbers. I like Maybe I would play a few more Sensors and Charge Disruption just because you need, feel like you need something on two always. And yeah, almost feels like, I guess with four portable hold, you're, you're kind of okay, but... Yeah, yeah, no, this this looks good. Yeah, I mean, if if you were to cut, say, like a portable hole for another um sensor Jawari disruption, you know, I wouldn't ever query that. To be honest, I think that's perfectly acceptable. Yeah. Um, the only the only issue you can maybe look at is like, is the three 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 and the four drops the perfect way to go about it, or is is a three deluge too many? Do we go down to two and add like a verdict, or do we, you know, you can play about with those kind of numbers? I think. Um, I think they're the hardest numbers to get right in the deck is the four drop slot because you never want to go too heavy on the four drops otherwise your deck just curves horrendously but they're all great cards in the deck and you want to play yeah as many as you can basically yeah you you like control decks right for the most part I know Harry was hundred percent thousand percent locked into green no matter what did you <laughs> consider something else for this weekend yeah I considered mono green. I think Mono Green is probably the best deck in the format um, at the moment. Uh, it was hard, uh, and I definitely defaulted to a deck that I would prefer to play. Um, but I, I perfectly acknowledge that, you know, when people like like Harry was playing Mono Green, but especially when you look at people like Nathan Stoyer and what decks they chose to play, like they um they played Mono Green, and I thought, you know what. They were probably onto something here because they absolutely demolished the Swiss. Um, and I think the bad matchups for Mono Green are decks that I don't think are generally very good. Like Boros Agro, don't think is particularly good without Lurus. Um, Mono Blue Spirits is quite contentious. I've seen it put up numbers fairly consistently, so it, it has to be better than I think it is. But on the surface, I'm not a massive fan of that style of deck. Yeah. yeah. I've, I've played against a ton of... I play against Mono Blue Spirits a lot in leagues, and it's... I don't know about you, but I have I think I've never actually played against them when they haven't had the Curious Obsession. And it's... Yeah, they, yeah? Yeah, yeah, and I've never ever ever played against Mono Blue when they didn't have Rattle Chains on turn two either. Oh, <laughs> no, it's so happen. annoying. They literally always have, like... Like, it just... The deck... It feels so bad, but whenever I play against them, they're just like, "Yep, I have everything that I need to to stop you from from beating me," and yeah. that's why uh, I'm just like, "F it, I'm putting three Skylasher on the board. I don't care what they have. They can't. They they shouldn't be able to beat these." Um, there's like there's like a mono blue uh, one trick called Hiro Sukai who plays Pioneer, and he only they only ever play mono blue. Every time I beat them, I'm so happy. I'm like, yes, you deserve, <laughs> you deserve to lose. You deserve to lose because I hate your deck so much. Yeah, I hate, spirits. I, I hate spirits. I hate spirits. There's Dr. Queller in Modern who always plays spirits. And 
nothing personal, but yeah, it's no, yeah, yeah. I mean, Flash, Spirits, all these decks, and I've played them before. They're just the worst decks to play yeah. against because you literally lose the game without having resolved a spell sometimes. Yeah, and... yeah. they should have. They should have just banned like all spirits instead of Winota. You know, people were complaining <laughs> about unfun how unfun Winota was. Just play against Mono Blue Spirits, yeah, and then you oh, want yeah. Winota to come back because you realize <laughs> how awful that deck is. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was blue, green, flash, and standard. Rogues, at least rogues, I felt like was the meta was good in standard, yeah. and it was it was a decent meta. It was one of the best decks, but it was the games were still kind of fun and interesting, even though sometimes they did have like I don't know the triple triple one drop draw. They had, they could have some dumb draws, but the games didn't always end like on turn five without you having resolved a spell. Did either of you guys have a time to? Take a look at Monsieur Cafouillette's blue black list, and if so, do you have any thoughts on the build? Because there's a bunch of cards that you could have been playing. For instance, uh, um, you know he's playing some considers. He's playing make disappear the new the new counter spell. Yeah. He, he's playing a mix. You know he's playing a split of two deluge one elimination. He I guess he doesn't get absorbed, so he's actually playing the four sinister sabotage. So. I don't know. Looking at his list, you you think like, oh yeah, maybe I should have played, you know, some of these cards, or I don't know if you have any any anything to say about the list. I'm gonna be honest, Gab. Right, I don't know if you know them personally because they obviously know uh, uh, Waffle Tapper because uh, they play like the same same decks, right? But I am not intelligent enough to work out what they're trying to do. <laughs> like they've got honest because the thing is right they play like they play so many like the numbers are just really i just don't i'm not and i'm not trying to like have a go at them i they, they're clearly very good i've played against them before i got smashed um i i respect i respect them uh especially waffle tap on you know mr cafouillette um they always um seem to be doing well in pioneer whenever they audit like they always play blue black control but i can just never understand like the reasonings behind the numbers like they're playing like one thought distortion in the main and like what is the reasoning for like one dig for time what's the reasoning for like why one sensor why two consider like there's so many numbers here that i just can't work out like why three tainted indulgence um yeah, you know. I mean, it's kind of the same reason you're playing two sensors, one disruption, and then the the, the split of counter spells. It, it's a little more extreme, I guess. They have more one and two ofs, but um, yeah, I, I, the one thought distortion, I guess, just kind of meta call. You just yeah. see a lot of cards. Yeah, I don't have answers. I just thought, you know, maybe you, you saw the list and you're like, oh, that would have been maybe a, a good good way to. To build my blue white deck, play the, the maybe the one elimination, have you know a few extra cycling cards in the early game, or um, I guess you get veto, they get negate. Uh, is make disappear a card you've ever considered in uh, in blue white, for instance? Um, I mean, it's is I have considered it, but like I don't know, I kind of I kind of prefer to have access to like more sensors, to be honest um just with the build i don't know the builds are kind of different right because in blue black the main issue you have is you don't have any planeswalkers that you really want to play i think ashiok is the closest thing you have to having like a like a viable planeswalker 
but Teferi is just so much better. And in the blue-white version, you because you don't have the efficient removal, you rely a lot heavier on your like your rafts. You have a lot more planeswalkers to play. So like you kinda want your counter spells to be like either really flexible and sensor or just like stone wallers, like Dovin's Wheel Absorb. You don't want to have any kind of oh this could slip through, like you know, I've got this make disappear on turn seven and I don't have any way to get rid of it from my hand. Like I can see in their list they're playing like tainted indulgence and stuff, so they have ways to get rid of redundant cards. So it's kind of hard to configure it in the same way that they have, um, just because the decks kind of perform differently overall. Like, um, I think yeah. like their their deck is one of the purest forms of control. Like, extremely counter heavy. So they want to get to the late game and then resolve like a big shark, and have enough counters to deal with any removal at that point or stuff like that. Yeah, I guess usually you want to go black over white when push is insane it was kind of yeah. the same thing in modern you know back when people played either blue white or salt eye or you know the, whether you wanted the black splash or not or black as your second con color was usually like how good how good is fatal push and yeah. i guess fatal push probably really good in 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 historic right or in pioneer right now but um yeah i i do i do agree it looks like you have to work way harder for your wins and yeah um yeah and respect to them because like that was a grueling tournament it was like 10 hours it took like i started at 2 p.m uk time finished harry it was like midnight right it was close to midnight yeah and like playing control over like what 12 games of magic and you know your decisions there's not like obvious decisions at times sometimes you have to really think about what you're doing because the the intuitive play might not be the correct play and it just takes it out of you so playing that deck which is definitely a harder deck to play than blue white control um yeah fair play yeah. to them because that well, that they, they have so much practice their brains probably just you know you get used at some point and it doesn't yeah. feel like decisions don't feel that tough but yeah it's funny cool, because cool. you mentioned doing a long tournament i mean i went to a i caught a concert the night before the tournament and i and i didn't get any sleep you're a 20 though it doesn't count. <laughs> uh, yeah. and nathan stoyer also said the same something like oh yeah i just basically didn't sleep and i'm like oh thanks guys <laughs> just mashed me okay. yeah but yeah. I, I actually played against mr Cafulet in the in the quarters and it did not seem like their deck was full of one ofs like i didn't really i was assuming it was going to be like a very very streamlined build um but I think honestly, the reason why I beat them was not was because they had two little threats in their deck. I think with control, the way control wins, right? It's like you were saying, Teferi Hero is so good. You counter all my things, and then you play any th literally any threat. And because I only get like one or two draws, I most of the time I lose. Whereas I fell with Mister Cafulet, um, games were very winnable on longer turns because. They just kind of counter, 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 and then add nothing. I feel like the way green beats control is, in modern, a lot of the time, you want to sandbag your best card against control and then play it most of the time. Whereas in Pioneer, I feel like the better line is to just cast the best card in my hand every turn. Um, yeah. And it's not really because I think that 
you're low on counters, but I feel like in Pioneer, it's way easier to make the control player trip up on themselves. Because if I don't let you, ca like, if I try to make it so that you can't memory deluge for a really long time, I feel like it really trips up your game plan. And that's kind of what I was really focusing on, well, yeah, in, in our games, as well as, um, I, I was lucky in a sense I could play around sensor and cast the best card in my hand, but I try to... Like, it's a really weird dance, because you need to play around Sensor a lot, I think, as green versus control. But then you also need to cast the best card in your hand, so it's kind of assessing what do you think is more likely that you have Sensor or you should cast the best card. So it's like, that's kind of my general tip in the matchup. I, I don't know if you disagree. I think it's the, the biggest difference is that in Modern, there's Archmage Charm, so you need to play on there for a turn. You can't just... That's how you beat them when you're playing four-color. You just... Hope to have a Ren on two, a Teferi on three, and either they don't have the counters and you win, or you get super far ahead, or if they have the counters, they have to use their charm, mm. and they don't get to draw, maybe they miss a land drop, and that's that's how usually the game goes. So maybe the dance is a little different in Pioneer, because it's possible maybe on turn three you want a sandbag or do something a little weird, because you know you can't get punished right away, you get punished on turn four with Memory Deluge. Or the Wandering Emperor. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's kind of similar, like to there was a point in time where like Glimmer of Genius was played a lot. And like a lot of theory was to like play your good cards into the Glimmer of Genius turn to force them to, you know, um have to not use their mana efficiently. Uh, you know, have to absorb the spell rather than cast glimmer, so that you're kind of stopping them bridging. Like, because Glimmer was essentially a bridge to play bigger things. I think this was in standard. I'm not sure. Um, because yeah, because I think Blue White or Jesk I was popular at some point. Anyway, similar thing. Yeah, I definitely think so. I think like, um, given how mana intensive, you know, the amount of four drops to play in the deck, the amount of you know the deck's quite mana intensive. Uh, there's a lot of clunky spells in the Blue White control deck. So. Forcing the issue on their uh, deluge turn is, in my opinion, a good idea more often than not because you're stopping them being able to cleanly uh, transition into Teferi Hero of Dominaria that way, I think. and Or do bigger and badder things like cast Farewell, etc. Yeah. So I think that's I think that's fine. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think the, the only other thing is I think that's very important as well as um, the Wanderer. I think I think the two two easiest losses against control. I would say my most my most common loss is when you just have a counter two, counter three, and then deluge. But I think also having to play around the wanderer is really difficult sometimes. I think I think yeah. like the most like average game that I can easily lose is that if a deluge comes down turn four or a wanderer gets to snipe something valuable. Yeah, like, you need to assess, once you're the mono green player, um, how am I winning this game? And I don't think you win often for your beatdown plan. Not early. I don't think you need to be aggressive, super aggressive. So, classic example. You have a growth troll. Mm -hmm. Let's get three green. You want that devotion. So the worst thing you can do is attack into four open mana with that, that growth troll. Yes. If you need that devotion, don't attack with it. Yeah. In my opinion, I think, I think like, you need to think about those things, like, how am I winning this game? I'm going to win this game like Lotus does by generating so much mana, I'll be able to cast all my spells and they don't have enough mana to counter everything yeah. and then storm off. It's the same thing with Lotus. 
but you obviously have a clock as well. You have like growth trolls, you have cavalier. Cavalier is less important because as soon as it's resolved, it's kind of done its job. It's got you that extra land and it's put a storm, the festival in the graveyard, which is insane. So you have to figure out like where you are in the game and how what your plan is to win the match. And sometimes it might be just, depending on your hand, getting super aggressive and going, you know what, if they have it, they have it. Other times it's, you know, I've got Nykthos, I want to keep this devotion. So long as I'm, you know, not getting this creature sniped by Wandering Emperor, I'll be able to overcome them with the amount of extra mana I'll have access to. Yeah, I, I 100% agree. And I think that, um, honestly, with the Winota ban, I didn't, I honestly feel like green is becoming more streamlined and not really interacting with the opponents anymore. I feel like in the pre-Winota, I was actually doing a lot of things with card, whereas now I'm just kind of fetching statue or boat in most games, because I feel like, uh, I feel like the days of getting Grafticus Cater Damping Sphere is slowly dying. I didn't see Lotus Field the whole tournament. Did you play against it? Yep, yeah, I played against it round one. Oh. Um, I played against one of my friends, uh, Nam Dang, or Namor Squats, um, who I think is probably one of the best Lotus players. Um, I think uh, the games were really difficult. I got well rewarded for the summary dismissal because um, I managed to uh, summary dismissal a Sphinx of the Final War twice in both games. <gasps> and Nam played, like, I had Narset on the field, game three, and I searched for um, Narset's reversal, which basically just is it's so difficult for them to beat that card. That card is insane against them because you, you basically can... You know, Narset's reversal of thought distortion on them. Done. Ooh. Done. Narset's reversal uh uh what's it called? Um Pro of the Pages. Pro of the Pages, insane. Uh the seven mana Sultai spell, emergent ultimatum, also very good. Um so but he basically played around it as good as I think anyone could have. He lost still because it just didn't transpire i just had too much at that point but like yeah yeah like i felt like my sideboard was kind of set up reasonably well for lotus and the summary dismissal was there because ramp was also a deck now so i wanted something that could be brought in for both um lotus and ramp funnily enough i did play ramp and that card was very relevant as well what is ramp um it's basically og mono green ramp uh they use like you know Ulamogs, uh, Emrakul. They also play Dragonlord of Tarka. Okay. How do they ramp? Uh, Nissa's Pilgrimage, Karyatids, okay. uh, Elves. I think they play Wolf Willowhaven. I'm not sure. They play like Worldbreakers and stuff as well. Um, so, yeah, that deck won two challenges uh, Saturday and last weekend as well. It's okay. only just came back, but I just think it's a worse ramp deck than Mono Green. I think you just play Mono Green Devotion if you want to play ramp, but Yeah, I'm surprised you beat Lotus Field. That matchup has historically been bad. And sure you have a couple disputes, but in the sideboard you have a decent sideboard. You have two disputes, one reversal, one dismissal, one Narset, but you still only have like one Narset in your seventy five. Did you is that matchup as bad as I remember it being, or is it kind of okay? Wandering Emperor has made a massive difference, I think. I think wow. if you get Wandering Emperor down turn four, Wandering Emperor like, can provide a really nice clock. And especially with cards like um, 
hollow storm giants like just a one shot seven um i think that definitely makes blue white control faster uh you can switch gears faster um whereas previously it, it took a long time to to win games because you relied a lot more heavily on teferi ultimate which you just i i can't remember the last time i've ultimated teferi now with the deck um just like combination of having some sharks wandering emperor like you you can get a clock in play and it's just a case of like mono counter spells and as i said like narset's reversal was like a silver bullet like it can completely just end the game uh by when like countering their thought distortion obviously on the flip side if they have like an early thought distortion well unless you have like an in play emperor or something like that then it's obviously difficult but i think the matchup has got a lot better for blue white control because i remember last time i was playing blue white control the matchup felt like nearly unwinnable yeah that's Uh, funny that's wondering emperor of all things is what makes your combo matchup better now was is is monastery mentor legal in pioneer yeah, yeah, I think that's maybe like how I was winning games back in the day. There's mentor plus dispute backup, or because even a, an early in our set sometimes just not even that great against them. Yeah, the decks now built to win through in our set because they play like um, dark petition. So they basically the way they win through the our set is they just play emergent ultimatum, um, get like omniscience, behold the beyond, dark petition. And then, like, obviously, never give them omniscience, but they can just basically, like, um, whatever they cast, like, uh, Behold the Beyond, eventually they get, like, a bunch of, like, hidden strings and Balagid recovery and just, like, do everything all over again. They also have Liar as well that can just, like, flashback uh, spells from the graveyard. Um, so the, the deck is more built to... And if they're playing against Control, they'll almost certainly just... Um, Hardcast Vizier postboard to basically act like another Lotus Field or uh, uh, what's it called the Despian stage. Um, so yeah, I, I definitely think uh, Narset's not super effective, but it means you are nullifying some of the cards like Pour Over the Pages at least, and obviously Narset can dig to find you those key spells like Summary Dismissal or um, Narset's Reversal. Cool. All right. I also was wondering, just in general, you said you got back into Magic, or what got you back into Magic? You know, how, how seriously you have been playing? Was Pioneer being the first format for the the first, you know, regional Pro Tour and Pro Tour? Do you have kind of plans um, as far as competitive Magic goes? Just more about you and Magic in general, I guess. Yeah, so, no, I I I think I meant, like, getting back into, like, a card game. So... I played Yu-Gi-Oh when I was like 15. I'm 30 now, for example. Um, I stopped playing card games until I was like 22, 23, back in 2014. So I wanted something like kind of like a hobby, like creative outlet, I guess, or something to have fun and play with. Um, I played, I've been playing for, uh, since like cans of Tarkir. And then, uh, yeah, ever since I started Modo, I felt like I was getting better and better and I wanted to play more competitively. So like my goal is to like get on the pro tour. Um, and that is, that's one of my goals, uh, definitely to try and get onto the pro tour, especially for this, um, this, uh, upcoming season, because it's going to be pioneer. That'd be amazing. Um, I don't know about you, Gabe, but, um, the, well, for me, 
obviously I'd have to play the PPTQs or whatever they're called now, but there's not really a lot of um I don't really know what's happening with it. And especially in the UK, there's not really been any noise about it. So I guess if I can qualify on Magic Online that'd be great, but I think Magic Online's a very difficult place to qualify for a, for a PT. I think there's definitely easier routes, especially playing like Paper Magic, I think. It's probably a more realistic way of doing it. Um so yeah, I've been playing like competitively on Modo for like a good few years now. Um I enjoy what I do at the moment. Like I like I like playing Pioneer. I like playing challenges at the weekends. Like my my goals at the moment is just do well um test test uh, a bit of testing do well in the challenges and showcases another goal would be to qualify for the mocks and then um produce content write stuff for like um other kind of like-minded people who want to you know do well in magic and try and help them out through myself and my team at tag team like that's that's my goal but yeah qualifying for the pro tour this year would be really good yeah as far as qualifiers go i think just kind of call your local game stores wherever you live there they need time to figure it out of course um you know i remember huey saying you know give give your stores a little time to figure out their ptqs and whatnot and what they're going to do about it but there should be for most people who have local game stores where there's some they used to be magic tournaments they should have qualifiers and i agree it's probably going to be the the easiest way to qualify it's probably going to be pretty small fields maybe not as tough as online so that's yeah. probably your your best bet to get into the the regional uh pro the regional uh tour. Yeah, I was talking to uh Gary Campbell, old man Gary. Uh the legend. The legend that is Gary Campbell. Um hope you're listening, Gary. Um so I've got all a lot of faith in Gary that he'll be able to sort something out. He's pretty much like one of the main men when it comes to like magic in Scotland for sure. So I think he's already on the case with a lot of the the stores in in Scotland anyway. So hopefully, um, I'll keep in contact with him, and hopefully we can can get playing magic at these PPTQs yeah. and get qualified. Nice, yeah. Nice. Do you ever? Um, we have actually a, a few few UK people that listen, and normally I only go to Axion Now events. Do you ever travel to those in the UK? So I think the issue for me, right. I used to play a lot of paper. Yeah. Um, I think the pandemic really stifled my ambitions to play paper magic. Um, I will, I will be playing paper again. Um, but I actually sold like pretty much all my collection over the pandemic. Yeah. Um, because I just felt like it was taking up a lot of space in the house, and I was like, don't have a huge like apartment. I was like, oh, I just want rid of this. And my friend was like, um. He's like very good at like buying like selling cards. So uh friend Duncan Tang, like um he he basically took her, took care of my collection and kinda sold sold a bunch of stuff, sent me a bunch of money, etc. So now I don't really have like a go to deck to play. I can't just like pick up blue white control and modern like I could before. Um I once I once I get you know, inevitably I will get a collection again for what I want to play. Uh yeah, I'll definitely go to Axion again at least um once i have a collection but at the moment it's pretty much just magic online but um as soon as we have clarity on you know local events for for the the pro tours i'll definitely get back on it and be playing more paper yeah honestly for me uh i'm exactly the same i sold my collection on cardmarket.com sponsor of the podcast shout out to them but um 
yeah, I sold my collection of the pandemic as well, and I really want to go to events, but it's like I, I have this, I actually have a huge fear of buying a deck and it getting banned. I mean, I'm not, I'm not really someone who, 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 who kind of follows or, or will speculate on bans like that, but I just, the price of magic is so expensive for someone like me who's kind of living penny to penny right now, so... Mm. I, I just, I want to play Paper Magic, but for me, that's literally the holdback. And I have had a few uh, uh, people uh, offer to lend decks, so I think that will be what I will do yeah. to play. Or I'm actually um, going to be going to the, ah, it's not called GP, I don't know what it's called, but in Copenhagen in August, I'm going to be going to that. And yeah, I believe um... that there's a limited main event and a modern main event. Oh well. I don't know if you guys have. I am I. I don't know if I'm right about that. This is just. That sounds 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 about right. Yeah. So is I it the same. I think is it the same as Bologna. I thought it would have been different. I think it's the same organizer, right? And it's also it's Legacy who organizes that, who organizes the regional pro tour and stuff. Yeah. 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 Definitely. I think there's three of these events, and the Sofia one or two plus the Sofia. There's Bologna, Copenhagen. There Paris. may be one in Paris. Yeah, Paris. Yeah, yeah, that's it. So I'm what I'm what I'm happy is is I can just um, play limited event if I can't borrow yeah. the deck that I want to play. That that's what I'm basically doing. I've booked my plane. Gonna book. Um, gonna book yeah, hotel. They're, they're basically gonna be like GPs events minus the GPs, but there will still be some main events. There will still be ways, I believe, to qualify for the regional pro tour. Um, tons of side events. So I know a lot of people are looking forward to uh, all of them. I get asked a lot if I'm going to Bologna, if I'll be in Paris, if I'm going to Copenhagen. So I think people are pretty excited about them. Are you? Excited? No, I don't think I'm going to go. Where are you going? Oh, I might go to the Paris one. I'll probably go to the Paris one. <laughs> wow. There's also a big, uh, there's also a big uh, modern tournament in Paris on July 10th, I believe. Yeah. Um. So I might go to that too. It was someone called Antoine who Antoine Maurice who organized a big modern tournament, like a couple hundred players. It went well, and he decided to just try and organize a big event in Paris, July 10. I think there's a trailer on YouTube. Oh, I'm sure you can find out details online if people are interested. Yeah, like that sounds really good. And um, on Harry's point about like, oh, you know, I don't know, don't know if we can borrow a deck or you know. What, what I would recommend or what I would say to people is like magic is all about the gathering as well. Like make sure you, one thing I would like, best thing to do, especially in paper is like, make sure you have like a good, um, strong like network of people that you're friends with and make sure, obviously you also participate in this. Like you don't necessarily need to have like everything in the collection. I would never recommend buying a full deck. That's so expensive. It's such an expensive way to play the game. Just have like a kind of like a you know a collection or like if you if you can't afford it maybe it's a case of like you know be a trustworthy person respect your friends cards you know don't like shuffle them in a way that can destroy them but like there's nothing wrong with saying to your friends like hey if if you can I borrow this deck you know I'll and you know and if you do well in a tournament you know consider giving them like a small percentage of your payout you know just to say you know thanks a lot I really appreciate it. Like that's that's the way you can play the game as well. Like I know a lot of people that 
play Magic and play Magic and Paper who basically don't own any cards, but they're always like, you know, they'll always like, you know, take them out for dinner or something afterwards and as a thank you or it's these things that, you know, build your, helps you build your rapport so that if you ever do need a deck, someone's going to be like, yeah, he's, he's a cool guy. He's a cool person. Like they're a cool person, you know? Yeah. They, you can trust them just like, and that's, and that's great. It means you're not having to spend like, like loads of money on decks because there's, yeah. there's always going to be whales, like people out there with like, you know, who are, you know, quite wealthy and they're okay about spending like a couple of thousand dollars or, or whatever on a deck and not think anything of it. So that's one thing just like having a good network of friends and magic goes a long way yeah it's it's always been the case i mean it's as far as i can remember i've always done that literally my first turn when i was still like super casual was my friends from high school who just pulled our deck me and my my friend were going to our first turn and we just pulled all our cards together and we figure out like what are the two best decks we can build out of the our, our pool of cards and then later even when i got more serious about the game it was yeah, a lot of borrowing cards, a lot of just playing kind of not always maybe what, what I would have loved to play, but just kind of what I could play. And then e even later, I never really had a ton of cards. Even when I played less seriously, then I would just show up to Pro Tours and basically just borrow decks, buy a few cards if I'm missing a few cards. But I was lucky enough to have, you know, Reed and Huey, who played yeah. full-time at some, at some point when Huey got back into game super seriously, he would just order you know, four ofs for every set. You just wanted to have all the cards, not have to worry about it. So yeah. Yeah. And people are just usually pretty friendly. And as long as they, you know, somehow know you, they don't have to be your best friends. They'll probably lend you cards and stuff. And yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's always the case. Like you go to GPs, like sometimes you own like 20 or 30% of the deck. And then two of your two of your buddies give you like 90 percent of the deck 95 percent, and then it's like five percent of like you know niche cyborg cards or like uh i've not got the fourth cop counter spell that i needed or fourth like whatever and then you're yeah you're probably going to spend like you know anywhere up to like maybe like 50 euros at the venue and then you can but you can always just sell them back at like obviously like a bit of a loss like you just accept you pay like the 10 15 euro dollar tax or whatever on your cards when you go there and that's it overall but you're not spending thousands of thousands of dollars or, or whatever yeah. on cards that way you're maybe you know spending you're basically paying rent on the cards um via like you know taking the the rake from the the vendors and then obviously i'd always recommend if people if people lend you stuff like even if they don't expect anything find find a way to you know just to say a thank you yeah. that goes a long way i think a, i think a lot of people don't realize that like you know it's, it's nice to be nice so yeah. I'd always recommend, you know, even if it's something little, like buying them a drink or like, you know, buying them like food at the venue or something like that. Like, yeah, just make sure that you, your friends know or the people that have lent your cards know that you appreciate it. It's always good. Yeah. An easy way, an easy way to do it is just buy, you know, give them these like couple of cards you had to buy, you know, these 10, 20 euros exactly. you spend on these cards they did not have. So, yeah, you exactly. know, not now exactly. to have them or. Yeah, no, I agree with that. Yeah. I used to, honestly, I used to just spend all my pocket money on magic cards and then I kind of saved them up over time and I've just been selling them. I only just found out that I have an EDH deck worth 500 quid. I bought it like nice. two, two years ago and on, I actually bought it on card market fun fact two years ago. And it's, it's like EDH cards are weird, man. That's what I'll say. EDH cards are really weird. So that's what I'm hoping I'll bring that. To, I'm just going to bring that to, uh, 
Copenhagen and sell it. Yeah, I saw that video. I saw that I didn't look at the video yet, but it's a thumbnail that say it's basically the five, the top five cards you own. You you basically didn't know were worth money, but might be, you know, that you might own that are worth money. Oh yeah, on Card Market's uh, YouTube channel. Yeah, I wonder. I wonder what the. I need to go. I'm curious to see what the five cards are and if I own any of them. Yeah, yeah. Honestly, magic cards are really, really weird. Oh yeah, dead ass. Do you remember like Trespass? Temporal Trespass was like a fifty dollar card at one point. What? Wow. It was, it's yeah. mythic, right? Yeah, yeah. It was played as a two of in Phoenix or a three of in uh, Pioneer Phoenix. So it like went up to like fifty dollars or something Jesus. insane, right? That was I probably bulked that away for like a, a euro or something. Oh. And it's yeah, exactly. Like basically, it's just never sell magic cards ever because they only ever go up in value except when they don't. They go to zero. Um, <laughs> but yeah, yeah, and I think it's gone down significantly now because I don't think it's seeing as much play. But yeah, that card shot up to an insane price for what it was and how niche it was. Um, it just shows you, like you know, doesn't hurt to hold on to cards even if you think they will never see play because they they might come a time, especially when they're worth like you know, bulk mythic or bulk rare prices. Inverter Truth is another great example. I'm just talking Pioneer, but like, yeah, some cards can, when they go up, they go up. Yeah, definitely. Damn. Was there um anything in Pioneer that you wanted to touch on before we moved on categories, Harry? Um, no, no not particularly, to be honest. Like, I think, um, I think, like, just how do you, I think, lastly is, what do you think of the format right now? Like, did, did you agree with what I said in terms of like what I thought like the best decks were? Do you see any anything emerging going forward? I That's think that the thing. best decks. I didn't actually have blue eye control as the best deck. I. <sighs> That's a really good question. In leagues, what are... I've only what? played mono green and Winota, so my viewpoint of the format is quite weak. But I was putting Rakdos mid range up there towards the end of the Winota meta, and coming into this new one, I haven't really had much time to play. So I don't. Mm. I don't doubt you on Rakdos and green being the best i just i'm not sure about blue white i mean you're getting to this to the to the finals or you know i, I yeah Gab? i have a question what what do you can the format add can the format adapt to to mono green like without you having to play kind of a deck that's bad against too many other decks or is green too good uh to I wrap really... it up i guess yeah so the one that i think has got the best chance is probably phoenix I think Phoenix can build it in a way that maximizes like thing in the ice and but still has like the power shredder. Maybe maybe there's a build of Phoenix that trumps it. Yeah, I, th I think. Bl mm -hmm. Sorry, continue. I th I think like blue white control you can get you can get the matchup to where it's quite close. It obviously depends like, you know, not draws from green can still potentially be hard to beat. Um, but I think like your deck sh should be configured in a way that the matchup should be pretty close to like even or sometimes slightly favored depends on the build you know hour of revelation who knows maybe we'll see that card see play again <laughs> um but um outside of like those two decks i'm not really sure like i think like mono blue spirits quite a good deck i don't know if it's good enough to be a tier one deck but that deck's definitely really good against green boros heroic 
not convinced, not without um Lewis. So I think we might find that Mono Green could be the best deck for a good period of time. Yeah. And taking your blue white list, let's say you wanted to tweak it a tiny bit more to be green. Like, what are the if you if you could change four cards to your main deck to make it better against green, or a couple of cards to your sideboard for people who want to play blue white and who want to have a slightly better chance against green, what would you change? Um. So against green. I really like Shark Typhoon. I think it's a, I think it's a great card, and you should always, almost always play it in the main to some degree. But if you really wanted to like punch down on green, you could probably take out the two Shark Typhoons and put in two more Farewells, and then just like have this like, um, you know, insane, insane plan against them. Could maybe add in like a fourth Veto. Uh, you could go lighter on like the sensors. You could add in like a fourth Veto. Um. You could add in, like, do we even know what the fourth card would be, to be honest? Like, another counter spell, I guess? Or yeah. um, a main deck rest in peace to to help your, your verdicts? Um, yeah. I think post-board, you could play something like being serious. Like, maybe maybe an hour of revelation would be very good against them. Um, obviously doesn't combo super well with the the portable holes though so you need to take that into account um like generally it's just like there's not really one card like the good thing about mono green is it attacks from like different axes like you can play a kind of aggressive beatdown plan you can also you know play the storm plan um not really sure what else to be honest I think, mm -hmm. I think that what I normally lose with as green is a card that's secretly really good is Narset. I think that's really annoying yeah, sometimes. Yeah, it, it stops Kiora. Yeah, it stopping stops Kiora. Kiora static was is really good. Also, Faithful Absence is really annoying sometimes. Yeah. Um, although Storms are really good, sometimes you get into this weird spot where it's like, should I activate my Karn first or my Kiora? Because if they have... A faithful absence for example you could kill the other planeswalker in response to one activating so that's really annoying um i think that f you just want to load up on uh farewell the sweeper i think my the the most common losses are loads of low to the ground counters or yep. um a medium draw plus farewell or yep. a removal draw with narset i feel like those are the most common common losses i have against blue white control i would say yeah no i would agree with that i would agree with that um yeah i'm not sure whether or not you want to like i was the last debate i had was like do i play 60 card or play yorion mm. and i don't know i felt the yorion deck you could afford to do all that in the yorion deck but i just felt like it just wasn't consistent enough and i i don't know it felt more clunky yeah, I guess that's something we didn't talk at all about because to me it seemed like you're not a natural fit just because you're not even that exciting about any excited about any of your cards, right? You barely have any four ofs. I think your only four ofs yeah. is portable hold and absorb, and even these are like, I guess not not that big of a deal if it's diluted to eighty. But maybe you don't even really have time for Omen of the Sea, which you probably have to play to play Yorion and. Maybe yeah. Yorion's not that big of a deal. And you, you talk about the, I mean, the extra variance is real. You know, you're going to get screwed a little more often or flood a little more often. 
So yeah, do you feel strongly about it or you feel like it's almost kind of a coin flip? Um, I'm, I'm definitely in favor of 60 cards. I feel like your, I feel like your sideboard cards matter a lot. Like mm. you play some silver bullets. Like I really, I feel like even with like the added Yorion, I feel like I really, really need Dream Trawler against Rakdos to have a real, you know, strong chance of winning. I feel like it's, you just kind of feel like you're slowly losing the grind against them. Otherwise I feel like against Lotus, you need, you really need to see an Orsic reversal in one of your two cyborg games or like a summary dismissal or something like that. It's just really important there to consistently hit your cards. Um, I actually played against the Yorion uh, blue-white control deck. Normally, in theory, that deck should be favored because you go super long normally, so you get to see all of your cards anyway, but they just stumbled in lands because they didn't have enough lands because the deck isn't as consistent, and I just won both of those games because of that like i just felt like the deck was a lot smoother the 60 card deck um I, I, yeah just yeah it's sometimes it's hard to like explain exactly why but sometimes it's just when you get a feel for a deck and something just doesn't feel right it just feels off and i think it was just the consistency it felt kind of bad for me that's interesting because i don't like the consensus the last few times you talked about pioneer i don't know if i'm wrong harry but was that your own was probably worth it because that was my reasoning. Like none of your cards are that exciting. You're mostly playing two and three ofs anyway, so you can just easily make it an eighty card deck. But yeah, it's it's hard to quantify. I kind of remember back when I was playing Omnath four color Omnath with Kahira or a sixty card version. Anyways, I'm not sure I actually had Kahira. I think I did, and I'd get paired against a Yurion version of Omnath and felt like it should be kind of worse for me, but I was just, you know, I was playing my Renan 6 on 2 more often, I was yeah. curving out more often, I was kind of getting these, these slightly better draws, so yeah, I feel like we're usually on the side of Yorion, but maybe maybe it's not as clear-cut, you know, so that, that's kind of interesting. Yeah, it's also like, I feel like I just don't have enough time to really delve deep into, like, the nuances of, like, you know how inconsistent is Yorion? Like, what's the rest of reward here? Like, it's it's really hard to for me. It's really hard to quantify. But I just I almost just kind of went by feel of yeah testing it, them out. And... It's interesting because in modern, almost no one plays sixty. But I think Alan Wu, who's you know kind of one of the big brains of Magic, I think he's actually a proponent of sixty card Kahira or sixty card Yorion was Kahira. I think maybe Zach Allen too at some point. I don't know if he still feels the same way. So maybe 60 card is actually the truth, especially if you do get, you know, Kahira anyways, you do still get a companion. Yeah. Spe speaking of, did you, do you have a Kahira in your, in your sideboard? No, no. And to be honest, um, that's another thing. It's kind of like, what's the, what's the benefit of having Kahira? Like it's an extra card in your hand, which is amazing. Um, I'm not. I'm going to be honest. I didn't really give it much thought. Maybe, maybe I should have. Maybe I should have thought about it more. Um, it's probably worse. It's good in modern because of solitude, but yeah. there's also the factor that you're kind of giving away your deck, right? That's yeah. Maybe kind of a big deal. I don't know. It's non-zero. Like you're giving away your you're giving away your deck. You're playing one less sideboard card that you might need because Kihira doesn't really do anything in the deck. Like a three-two is not a finisher. Um, Maybe if you're playing like four March, you could say, well, 
and the argument of well you're playing against Rakdos so do you not just want extra cards that's that's a reasonable consideration as well um yeah I'll probably have to give that more thought to be honest and maybe try it out and see how it how it fares cool should we move on rapidly to modern I won't talk too long because I feel like this app's probably been going on for a while but or did you have anything to add Harry no, no, I'm good. I'm you, good. We... Either Harry's. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, we're an hour and ten in. I, I, I'm good to wrap up Pioneer. All right, yeah, I'm yeah, gonna yeah. keep it real short. I played a tiny bit of Modern. I played the Glimpse, Cascade, the Cascade Glimpse Elemental version, was Risen Reef, and I thought it was pretty good. There was a couple of bad things about it. The mirror was one of the most miserable experience because. It's such a weird mirror. You basically, it's super time intensive. So you have to play fast and I don't know. It was bad, but the deck was okay. I felt like there's not a ton of decisions to make though. It didn't feel super fun. So played a few leagues with it. Decided to just go back to Tameshi Bloom for the showcase this weekend because I thought it was good enough. I'd played a few leagues. I felt like the list had was pretty well tuned. Um, and maybe I should have just played Murktide or Grixis or Living End, you know, these decks are also very good, but I don't have too many regrets. The deck, the deck did okay for me. I went, I went, what? I went four and three on Sunday in the challenge and in the showcase, I think I was in the run. I don't even remember anymore, but I think, uh, oh, I remember now it was 10 rounds cause it was 400 and something players. So 10 rounds. I won the first one. I totally punted. The Hammer Time curse was back. I punted against Hammer Time really badly. I literally, all I had to do was Wargate for a Lotus Bloom. And I, I I just had the combo and I tunnel vision and Lotus Bloom for an engineer. And it was a disaster. Um, yeah. Uh, I like the deck. I think it's good. I think the changes I would make was that I was only playing one Bustachio in the main. And then in my sideboard, I had a Magus of the Moon and an Alpine Moon because... You can tutor for them with Skull or Wargate. But I think what you might want is just more Bosages in the sideboard, more cards for Hammer Time, more answers to Saga, more, more cards with Tron. I don't know if there's quite enough room to just play four Ren and six for Boseju. But you have three Ren in the main and going up to three Boseju in the sideboard might just solve some of these problems, be a little more versatile. Also, just extra lands is, is always nice. So... I still like the deck. I still like not playing finale. I didn't. I don't think I lost a single game because I uh, I didn't have finale in my deck. The one creator footfall is is more than enough to give haste to your creatures. And yeah, if you look at the the results of the showcase, it's kind of honestly, it's like picture perfect modern metagame right now. Living in one, there was a Merc blue red Merktide deck in the top eight. There was a Grixis Shredder. Shadow deck in the top eight. There was three different builds of Omnath. You know, there was like, I think a, a traditional build of Omnath was Risen Reef. Uh, there was a, a cool build was Traverse the Ulven, Ulven Vault. So that was kind of cool. Was Bubble to to get to Delirium. Some some Bubble, some Dress Downs in the main. So something a little different there. And then to round it out, I think you had a, a John Saga deck and, of course, a copy of Blue-Eyed Hammer Time, Happy Sandwich, who just 
crushes it on the reg was was dead deck. So yeah, kind of where modern is at, honestly. Still still feels like it's condensing a tiny, tiny bit, but maybe a little less variety that they used to be. But I still think it's a really fun format to play. And I enjoyed the I enjoyed the gameplay was was most of the decks. You you don't play any any modern whatsoever, right, Harry? Time I played modern was I don't think can't remember. Yeah, I think I, mean, yeah, I think I played Marktide definitely. I think I played that deck. I know that I have definitely yeah. played modern since like Modern Horizons two came out. Um, I'm probably gonna try like diversify uh, into more formats. I want to. Um, give myself the option that if I want to make an attempt to run for, say, like the Mox leaderboard, for example, like I can put myself in that position if I at least try and play more of the showcases. And you've also got like mana traders and stuff as well, which incentivizes you to play different formats. Um, so yeah, I have a rough idea of what's going on. Put it that way. Yeah, yeah. I guess I kind of envy you to not really have the the fear of of missing out you also probably have less time less time to play magic and mm. it can be like overwhelming to focus on a bunch of different formats and yeah. it's kind of fun to just really go deep on a format and really know the ins and out and lets you come up with new deck ideas lets you really have tune lists and you know good 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 um how do you say good pulse on the meta i guess yeah and I think like I think a lot of magic players, a lot of people who are interested in magic, you know, they don't really see enough they don't really hear enough of this, right? And see what I've learned from playing magic. Sometimes it's okay to stay in your lane. It's okay to like figure that, you know, you know, Gab, you've had a obviously a very successful career in magic as far as you you can basically in magic, right? But realistically, there's a lot of people out there, you know, full time jobs, you know, Harry, other Harry is in call uh, school, you know, me, I'm a full-time worker. I work in IT for the fire service. You know, I've got, you know, a partner where any, I can't exactly go, oh, uh, we're not doing anything this weekend. Uh, we're, I'm going to spend all, all weekend playing challenges. And then the next weekend, I'm going to wait to play a magic tournament. And, you know, so I like to, you know, if I want to do content, you know, build the Patreon with my team, do podcasts when, when it suits, etc then i need to kind of establish right realistically we can't play all the formats there's too much to keep up with in all the formats to be honest so let's try and maximize our time and get the most like value out of something whilst you know when time is limited i want to do something i enjoy and try and get as good as it good at it as i can with the limited time i have because realistically i only play the pioneer i'll play like a pioneer challenge on a sunday afternoon that's pretty much it like i don't spend like the saturday sunday playing challenges and stuff or other um formats but you know there is time like during the week where definitely can play like mana traders events etc um and that's why that's why i normally do to learn about the formats and then i even top eighted one of the mana traders modern uh that was sick because i hadn't played modern in like years at that point and then i played uh Sultai Uro. that was fun <laughs> yeah yeah lost to sam rolf because sam rolf like played four color money pile and destroyed me but yeah it was good um, yeah so yeah i would i would um emphasize that to people like sometimes it's just not realistically possible for you to be at a, like be good at all the formats all the time like time's a factor and not a lot of people have that luxury so yeah 
Yeah, it's 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 a super important skill when you have a busy schedule. I I was always impressed by Matt Sperling and Paul Ritzel, you know, full-time yeah. jobs, families, and just making the best. You could tell the way they were organizing themselves and, you know, getting getting games when they could, uh, especially with, you know, Magic Online or Reunite can, can be. But yeah, being it's it's a, it's an important skill, if, especially if you want to have a shot at competitive and you have a busy life and stuff. Yep, and, and that's why I prefer Magic Online because you can play intentionally um, you can choose like I feel like with arena a lot of the time you have to grind to get anywhere with to a certain extent. Whereas like Magic Online, it's kind of like right, I just need to get forty QPs. I can play a prelim, or I can like you know play some if I have time to play some leagues throughout the week. Great, but if I need the QPs, I'll play a prelim, a couple of prelims, hopefully do well in one of them, and then play the event. So you can use your time much more intentionally that way. Whereas on arena, it's a lot of like grinding to get places to get rewarded yeah so yeah. it's a bit better now to have these leagues so if you don't want to play the ladder you can play these leagues and the competition is probably maybe even tougher than even at maybe high 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 mythic ladder because even if you get to mythic a lot of time people once they get to mythic they, they play bruise and stuff and yeah whereas i have a feeling people who enter these these they're basically like magic online leagues where you play five matches and you get rewards but yeah there's not the whole there's not as much as far as structure and competitive goes as there yeah. is on Magic Online. Exactly. Um, yeah, I guess the rest for me is that I've been playing a lot of Explorer. I'm going to play Explorer all week. There's the Arena Qualifier that's Explorer this weekend. Mm -hmm. And I've been trying out stuff. Looks like Mardu Grease Fang's pretty strong. Looks like Blue Eyed Control's pretty strong. Not super impressive decks, but nothing's super nothing's overpowered i mean when you look at the pioneer you know blue white doesn't look especially especially great either so kind of similar format and it's been fun though it's still still of the the honeymoon phase where people are trying out Probably. stuff the, the latter is pretty fun because you play a bunch against a bunch of different decks and um yeah i guess that's that's what i'm up to the this this week but, uh, should we should we wrap it up? Maybe put our our life on the line in in Pioneer. Yep. Sure. Do you know life on the line, Harry? Uh, no, roughly. But if you want to explain it again, feel free. Sure. So there's a theoretical tournament tomorrow. If you win the event, you live. If you lose, you die. And you gotta let everyone yeah. know what deck you're gonna play. So we're gonna the tournament's gonna be Pioneer. So. Yep. <laughs> what deck you bring in, Harry? Uh, blue white control. Let's Whoa. go. Whoa. What? Really? No, I'm joking. Of course, that makes sense. Are, yeah. are you gonna make any changes to your to your list though? Yeah, I would. Um, for life on the line. Yeah, I think I would put another farewell in the in the sim in the main. I'd Ooh. probably. I say I think I would take out. I think, I would, go down on a portable hole. And, I think I would. Yeah, I think I would change it, change one portable hole for maybe another farewell, just just for this event. Okay, I think for me, if it truly was a life on the line tournament and everyone going to the event had access to any card, I would probably bring Mono Blue Spirits because I would presume that the metagame would be so full of green. Yeah, but if if only my life was on the line, then I'd probably just bring green. So. 
I think uh, green's clearly the best deck and the best way to beat green without changing a stock list from another archetype would be blue spirits. So it'd be one of those two. Yeah, I have no idea. I guess I would just play uh, Cloudy H's five color knife deck. <laughs> okay. He, he did come in tense in, in the showcase. He came oh, in okay. really close. Yeah, and I think there was another Niv deck in the top eight. So in Niv, in Niv, I trust. Yeah. Oh, the dragon, the dragon's back. Gave the dragon's back. Expect to see you in the Pioneer Street soon. <laughs> with a bring to light in hand. Oh, nice. no, I, 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 th I think Nev, I think Nev is, um, like, obviously I can't take Claudio's opinion seriously because he's a, a five color Nev Maxi, but, um, I, I generally think it's actually quite reasonably placed right now. That that deck should have a good mono green matchup, I think. Ooh. And it's just it's just like the mid range killer, right? If 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 people were speculating that with Winota gone, more mid range creature strategies will pop up. What better way to destroy them than playing the five color dragon? Okay, true, nice. True. I might okay. actually have a chance. Yeah, I like, I love to hear it. Okay, and now now we play uh, to thank Card Market as our sponsor. We actually do the Price Is Right, but with a Magic card uh, okay. using the Card Market website. Harry, um, now we don't use the actual Price Is Right rules. It's just whoever's closest to the card doesn't matter higher or low, lower. But we need to pick a card to do the Price Is Right with. So, is there anything that you think would be a good choice? Oh, what about the temporal? Um, yeah, the time temporal walk? trespass. Temporal yeah. trespass. Yeah. Okay. okay so he said it shot up to fifty, but came down a bit since, and iteration just got banned. Yeah. Hmm. Wow. That's that's interesting. Oh my god. When, when did when, when was it worth fifty bucks? So um, we all have the same info. I think we should. Was the last known info? I think like definitely this year. I don't know if it was early this year. When when did they announce that Paper Magic was coming back and it was going to be Pioneer PT? Oh, that was when we were in Germany. We were in Berlin, end of March, early yeah. April. Yeah, so around that time, because do you remember when that happened? The prices all spiked up. Mm. Pioneer um, decks spiked up. Yeah, it was around then. I believe that was when it was at its lofty heights. Okay. Okay, but we should do, we'll do the last seven day average instead of 30 day, because the bands would have obviously changed the price. Yeah. Just yeah. to make that clear. Okay, I have yep. a price in my head. I'm ready when you guys are. Uh, what currency is it in? Uh, Euros. Euros. Euros, okay. Oh, is it 50 pounds? Uh, no, it was uh, $50 at the time. $50, okay. Wow, this is confusing. <laughs> okay, I'm ready. Me too. Yep. Three. Oh, wait. Yeah. You'll say the amount on the count of three. So three, two, one. 22.50. So we have 12, 22.50. And did you say 20, Harry? Yeah. yeah In yeah. my classic fashion, I probably way overshot it. Okay. <laughs> That's okay. probably Harry. What'd you say, Gav? 22.50. The average seven-day price of temporal trespass on cardmarket.com is twenty-three euros and thirty-nine cents. Congratulations, Gab! Finally, Gab absolutely nailed it. Not only that, if you take the thirty-day average, you still win. It's twenty-three forty-six over thirty days, and even with one day, it's twenty-one eighty. So, congratulations, Gab! You win on all three days. <laughs> <Damn>. So, <laughs> 
But um, yeah, awesome. Okay. Go high. Yeah, so with that, wrapping up the cast, Harry, thank you again so much for coming on, but why don't you shout out your social media again for anyone who wants to check out your socials? Yeah, so you can catch me on Twitter, uh, Harry13SCO, and I'm also part of a, a great um, team called uh, TAC Team. Uh, you can catch us on Twitter as well at uh, TAC Team 9. We also have Patreon. We provide articles uh, from a multitude of formats. Feel free to check us out, see if it's something you're interested in. And uh, yeah, also part of a uh, podcast uh, with myself and Claudio called uh, TAC Talk or TAC Talk. Um, you can check our, I don't think we have an actual Twitter for that. But um, you can find us on uh, uh, Spotify as well. So, yeah, there we go. Sick. I'll make sure to have um, Harry's socials linked in the description of this podcast episode, but sometimes it doesn't work out great. So check out the Midweek Metagame Twitter, and uh, it'll be there. But, um, yeah, awesome. Gab, what about you? Where can we find you? You can find me just checking out, you know, Harry's content, <laughs> leaving comments on YouTube, hanging out in his chat. He just went full-time magic, instantly wins the showcase, no big deal. <laughs> um, there you go. A little shout-out, Harry. Oh, wow. Thank you. Yeah, I guess, yeah, check out the YouTube. If you would like to watch the match that uh, Harry or Martin and I played in the finals, it's on my YouTube channel right now. Oh, great. Bro. Yeah, so if you want to see me absolutely whoop blue-white control. No, <laughs> <laughs> it was really close three games. They were really good games. So I really recommend going to watch them. I learned a lot from the games. Um, yeah, so check that out. And, uh, you know, again, thank you so much, Harry, for coming onto the podcast. We really appreciated it. Yeah, it was great to be here. Good vibes. It was good fun. Awesome. Thanks and uh, Yeah, and I guess anyone who's listened this far into the episode, thank you so much. And hopefully we'll catch you guys next week. Take care, everyone.